Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I hope you had a fantastic holiday weekend. I hope you had lots of rest and a chance to uh, pay tribute to the amazing men and women who gave the ultimate sacrifice for our countries and our freedoms. It's really nice I can get a chance to start today's show with Genevieve Wood. She is a senior contributor at the Daily Signal, which she's also the co-founder there. And we normally have Rob Bluey, but Rob is in some meeting today, or so he says. So we had the pleasure of having Genevieve Wood join us. Genevieve, welcome. Hey, Bill. Good to be with you. Yeah, Rob, uh, my colleague is down in the great state of Texas for an event we're having there. So I'm, but I'm happy to be on and be on in his place. No, I'm thrilled that you're on. I know you've been on before, and you're just absolute delight. Uh, we love Rob. We love you. We love everybody from the Heritage Foundation. So thanks <laughs> again for stepping up. So, uh, Genevieve, just to say, uh, today at about 45 minutes ago, the city of Minneapolis lifted the... Uh, mask mandate, which is about two weeks after Minnesota's statewide mandate was lifted, which kind of raises this question as I want to start our conversation today. I, I would love to know what your take is on the origins of this, because if we have a worldwide pandemic, don't you think it's pretty important that we figure out how to avoid it next time around? Well, we definitely do. But unfortunately, Bill, I think this whole pandemic, I think the whole debate over mask and how far apart we have to be and everything else has turned into a political football, just like everything else that we talk about. It's become, you know, if you're on this side, then this is what you should do. And if you're on this side, this is what you should do. And if Trump is president, then we've all got to do this. But now that Biden is president, apparently the pandemic has gone away. So, I mean, that we're, you know, for all the folks who talked about, let's follow the science. Uh, they only want to do that when it fits their political narrative. Mm. When I think of the idea that this virus escaped from a level four virology lab, that seems to make more sense than four blocks away. It took place right. at a at a wet market. And if that was the case, I assume all wet markets are now officially closed forever. <laughs> yeah, well... As you, as you know, it's always wrong to assume, right? <laughs> Look, when this all when this all happened, obviously there were a lot of questions and a lot of investigation that need to happen. You know, nobody knew exactly what was going on at the very time that this broke out. But as as time went on, and I don't mean just like two months ago, I'm talking a month into this, two months into this, it became increasingly clear China was not giving us all the information. As it, and this is you know this is their track record. They're not open. They're not an open. Society. They're not open with their own people, and they're certainly not open uh, with the rest of the world when they don't want us to know what's happening inside their borders. And the fact is, they didn't want us to know. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of investigation that we couldn't do, but it increasingly just based on what we know about viruses, what we know about the SARS viruses. And this was said, frankly, by the past administration early on into this. Uh, the media didn't want to talk about it. All of a sudden, it's that's what it is. And so, I, again, it's, I think it's very much a political football. Mm-hmm. 
when I hear terms like gain of function research, I have to admit that I didn't know what that was right away. And I wonder how many people do. But it seems that there was some financial resources from the U.S. that went to that uh, lab in Wuhan for that very purpose. That's right. NIH. Uh, And Dr. Fauci was, you know, I don't know if he actually signed the check and signed the approval waiver, but ultimately he was the head of that. Look, we've been doing this kind of thing for, for years. And why don't we just own up to it? Because the reality is, if we want to follow the science, if we want to try to ensure that something like this doesn't happen again in the future, then we need to know what happened this time around. Uh, But the problem is, you know, they they want to protect themselves in many cases, and therefore we're having a hard time getting to the bottom of it. Well, Genevieve, it's not the U.S. against China, is it? I mean, aren't there other countries wanting to know where this thing started and what we can do to prevent it from happening again? Why does it sound like it's us against them? Well, I mean, I think we're in some cases the ones making the most noise, but here's the reality. China, uh, you know, it has its hands in a lot of countries' pockets. And by that, I mean many countries, not just the U.S., have been very dependent on China for trade. Uh, We've been unwilling to say, look, this is a country that has terrible human rights abuses. And you know what? I'd rather pay more for certain goods made here as opposed to paying for cheaper goods in China to, to make a point. Uh, you know, we haven't yet said we're not going to go to the Olympics. We ought to think about those things. That We should not be rewarding China for the very bad behavior uh, that that country puts forth. Uh, it also seems, Genevieve, that China is never going to be forward up front. They're not going to be honest with exactly what happened. I don't see that happening. Uh, it seems like that's their track record anyway. No, that's right. And look, another international bodies like the World Health Organization, uh, which, you know, is the United Nations of Healthcare. They're the United Nations of Healthcare. Let's just say that again. I mean, the reality is uh, countries like China, as I mentioned earlier, with terrible human rights abuses, are not ever punished by, by bodies like the WHO. Uh, the WHO from the get-go has really been in the pocket of China throughout this whole thing, which is why President Trump was right to say, we're not giving the WHO any more money. Just like we said, whether it was NATO or the United Nations and others, we shouldn't be giving our dollars to institutions that do not uh, have our best interest at heart. And I would suggest the same thing to our European allies and others. Genevieve, do you know what steps will be taken? Is there a commission that is going to investigate what went on? Uh, I think that's to be determined. I mean, there will be a lot. The question is, will there be good commissions? Will there be the ones that actually get to the bottom of it? So a lot of things will have names, you know, commissions and so forth. But the reality is we have to have people that are willing to say the truth and say what China doesn't want to hear. uh, Because what we know is it came out of that country. The question is where. Yeah. So, I mean, if if your child comes home with a black eye as a parent, the the first thing you want to know is what happened and where did that come from? That's right. And if the answer is that's China right. or a wet market, that's not going to work for you, is it? No. <laughs> you need to know where in that country. <laughs> that's exactly right. And, and this is not to say we should be shutting down all the research labs. That's no, of course not. not. No, of course Obviously, not. that's not what we're trying to do. But what we are trying to do is find out what happened, why it happened. Uh, you know, and I, look, there have been a lot of theories out there of like, was this not done on purpose by China? It would seem to me if you were China, you'd want to get the facts out there and make sure people didn't think that. I would certainly think so. I, I would think that China would want to say, here is what happened, because we certainly don't want this to happen again. I mean, look at the, the worldwide devastation. How, well, how do they not right, come forward? Bill, again, you, you look at how they treat uh, hundreds of thousands yeah. of people within their own borders, their own people, 
uh, the Uyghurs who, there, who are there, the Muslim population, that they have basically enslaved in many cases. This is not a government uh, that values human life. Yeah. I'm thinking with a, a Western Christian mindset. That's right. Shame on And me. that's not the way they think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Shame on them. Yeah, well, exactly. Of course. Genevieve, tell me uh, briefly about your uh, Memorial Weekend, and then I want to ask a little bit more about uh, what went on. Sure. Well, we had a great Memorial Day weekend. I was with my parents, and I I was thinking about the fact, you know, I I saw what Vice President Kamala Harris saying, have a great long weekend, Uh, but nothing about why we have that great long weekend, which is Memorial Day, which is to honor those who've given their lives and in defense of this country. Um, And, you know, I benefit from the fact that my grandparents are part of the World War II generation. So I heard a lot of stories. But the reality is a lot of folks, and that's not the only war. Obviously, we've had the Iraq War and and others. Um, But we don't talk as much about it and honor those the way that we should. I just don't think that we talk about it to the next generation. And we need to, because people need to realize, I saw a a great meme on Twitter that showed all these people on the beach and it was like, you know, thank you know, you're having this great beach day because of and then it showed a picture of all the men on the beaches mm. of Normandy, you wow. know, storming D on D Day. And it was a great way to, to to put it into focus. Yeah, it is. And I bet uh, Vice President uh, Kamala Harris would like to get that one back, I'm guessing. She probably would. My guess is she didn't even tweet it herself. It was somebody on her staff, but nonetheless. Yeah. But yeah, what it shows, Bill, is just that people, you know, it's not for first and foremost what they think is is the most important. They have other issues they want to address. Uh, and frankly, you know, the number one reason we have a federal government is to defend us. And putting our armed forces uh, front of mind ought to be uh, part of any administration. But unfortunately, I don't think it's really truly uh, the, the first and foremost in the minds of this one. Mm-hmm. It's a little troubling, Genevieve, when you say that maybe it wasn't even uh, Vice President Harris that sent that tweet, because then there's always a built-in excuse if you don't like the result. Well, that's right. We'll see if she says that, but, um, you know, I I think, as we know, most of the time it was President Trump actually tweeting his remarks. I think it was. Uh, Yeah, and maybe she did hers. Who knows? Maybe she did hers. Yeah, it it is... um, I don't like when people have a, an easy out if they say, well, you know, I, uh, a staffer did that, and I, that's not what I would have said. I know there's been also some uh, complaints about her not saluting. I think, you know, we live in such a visual optics world that even though she's not in the chain of command where it's an obligation for her to return the salute because she's a civilian, she's not in the chain of command, according to what I've heard from other people. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm wrong often. Um, she's not <laughs> under obligation to salute. However, the visuals would say it would be a wise thing to do. Well, that's exactly right. There's a difference between saying, you know, because you're in the armed forces, you're obligated to do it, but there's no reason she can't do it. Mm-hmm. So she had a cho- she had a choice to make, and she made one, which was not to do it. And if you might recall, uh, this happened a few times with President Obama uh, and things like, you know, wearing the flag on the lapel pen and so forth. And we could say, well, you know, big deal. He- Look. Everybody knows that was, a, you know, a, a story. Everybody knows that he made a choice not to do that. In this case, she made a choice not to salute. So that just, again, it just, it's, you know, people always talk about these, you know, virtue signaling. That was virtue signaling in my book. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting when you look at that. Not that we're picking on the vice president today, um, but there is, <laughs> there is that thought that, you know, she is a heartbeat away. 
from being in charge. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. And, and, and it says, you know, you have an opportunity in front of all the cameras to show how you respect the men and women of the armed forces. And again, I just, that is a, a signal of respect. It's a signal of honor. And she chose to stand, to stand there. Yes, she was there, but she didn't salute. And we know how many people, you know, we hear the voices of the, the left of the Democratic Party who are anti our military, they're anti the police. And so you just have to, and she has been that part, when she was in Congress, she was with that group. So, you know, it's not a matter to me of having to kind of figure it out. I think we know where she stands. Mm-hmm. Genevieve, I want to take a break. When I come back, I want to ask you about the border crisis. And uh, I don't know if Vice President Harris's name will come up again. It might or it might not. But I do want to uh, talk about uh, the handling of the border crisis because it seems to be spiraling out of control. And I want to get your perspective on it. Genevieve Wood is my guest. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Senior contributor uh, to the Daily Signal and policy uh, advancer at the Heritage Foundation. We'll be right back. Genevieve Wood. She is uh, at the Heritage Foundation, senior contributor to the Daily Signal, a pal of Rob Bluey. Anyone who's a friend of Rob Bluey is a friend of mine. Say, Genevieve, (laughs) we've got a couple of notes from uh, listeners chiming in with this. I think I said this, but the president, even as commander-in-chief, is not required to salute military personnel. I think Ronald Reagan started the, the return salute, which seems like just an awfully kind, nice gesture. Yeah, no, it it absolutely does. And again, you know, people in office know that. So, and they know that the American people watch these things. So, when they make a decision not to salute, they're they're saying something. And I, I think that's what we saw happening. Hmm. Um, so, let's get back to um, a couple of things I'd like to chat about with our time remaining. Uh, one of them is the COVID relief bill. Tell me what direction you think that is going. Well, as usual with the the previous COVID relief bills that went through, you have a lot of wasted money. Yes, a lot of people needed help, uh, but very little of the money in any of these bills, most recent ones or the ones before, was targeted the way that it should be. Uh, And as anything that comes out of Washington, there's always a tendency, and you saw this definitely here, to add in things that had nothing to do with COVID. I mean, there were so many things, whether it was bailouts for states that had pension funds that were out of out of control. That has nothing to do with COVID. That's been going on for years. Uh, all the dollars that went in this last one towards education. We had t- millions upon millions of dollars in previous bills uh, for the education establishment that they hadn't even used yet, and then we decided to throw in a few hundred million more. I mean, it's out of control. So the idea that this COVID bill was really about helping the American people who had lost their jobs Yes, there was unemployment uh, in, in there, but even in those cases, it was often not targeted correctly, giving people money that in many cases said, hey, I'll stay home because I'm making more to do that than I am working. So it's, it, the bill, uh, unfortunately, is not being 
spent the way that would have helped the most people. Mm -hmm. Genevieve, what do you see from Washington regarding the direction of the economy? Well, uh, unfortunately, they're sitting in the wrong direction. We had, you know, economy that, yes, had been very hit hard by COVID. Uh, but the, the reality is we were beginning to come back. Uh, but I think you're going to see inflation skyrocket with the kind of spending you see coming out of D.C. Um, you know, government has been spending too much for a long time, not just under not just under Democrats. That's also been true under Republicans. But what you see now is spending on steroids, and that means prices are going to go up. Mm-hmm. And then some of the issues like, I know, Medicare for all, um, I know that has come up, and I know you've written an article at the Daily Signal about that. I'd love for you to comment on that. Well, when it comes to, to health care, I mean, there's a big difference between having health care and having a health care card in your wallet. So when we say to folks, well, we're going to you know, expand Medicaid or we're going to expand Medicare and everybody's going to get it, here's the reality. If doctors say, I'm not going to take more Medicaid patients or I'm not going to take more Medicare patients and doctors can do that, um, what happens? Well, it may mean that you have a card that says you have health insurance, but if you can't find a doctor that's going to take that, then that doesn't do you a lot of good. Um, and that's, you know, as we expand these things, what we end up doing is taking the level of healthcare down, not up. We ought to be putting more choice into the system, both for patients, primarily for patients, but also for the, for the medical industry, which is the opposite of what universal healthcare plans would, would do. Mm-hmm. And Genevieve, comment on why the declining marriage rates would affect everyone. Well, declining marriage rates means in many cases you have declining birth rates. And uh, we need, you know, people, I know you have some people say, oh, the world's got too much of a population. Uh, But it's actually where you have people, it's people that create things, people that create jobs, uh, people that, you know, grow the economy. We need people. Uh, and And the other reality is if you have an elderly population, uh, but you have fewer and fewer young people coming into society, well, who's paying for Social Security? Who's paying for all these bills that we have promised uh, so many generations who are already in retirement or headed towards retirement? Uh, You have have a real problem in those cases. And there's so many... um, And there's societal ones as well, but economically, those are some real ones. And (laughs) And the number of baby boomers moving into retirement every day is pretty staggering, and you start to wonder... Oh, it's huge. ...who are the younger workers that will step up and start paying that bill? That's right. That's right. And, and being able to take care of those folks. I mean, they're, you know, it's a real problem when you, you don't replace, uh, you know, your, yourself, basically, in terms, of, in terms of generation. And unfortunately, due to abortion uh, over since 1973, the millions that we've lost there, uh, and then now more and more young people deciding either not to get married mm-hmm. and not to have children or only have one. Yeah. Genevieve, what, what do you think draws people to socialism? Well, everybody loves it when they hear something's free. Oh, uh, everybody loves it when they say, you know, somehow we're going to have this free thing and it's going to be for everybody uh, and somebody else is going to pay for it. And that at the at rock bottom, I think that's what a lot of people think, you know, socialism in this country is going to be not only free things, but everybody's going to get them and we're all going to be equal. Um, but not a lot of thought is given to, well, how's that going to happen exactly? And what's equal going to look like? Is equal going to be that we're all mil- millionaires, or is equal going to all be that you know we're below the poverty level? <laughs> What's equal going to look like? And I think if you ask those college students, oh, I'm for socialism, or I'm for the, they don't really have a. If you if you start prying very deep, 
uh, they can't explain it, and they don't really know what it is. Mm-hmm. And then even things like people who are interested in Marxism, I think that's even more troubling. Oh, that, but that's where socialism eventually, that's where it eventually goes. So, you know, look, I, I think that's one reason it's really, really important that we educate our young people, and it starts at home. You can't expect schools to teach them the right thing, uh, certainly not in most of the public schools and certainly not on most of our university campuses. Even ones, you know, I know a lot of folks out there love their alma maters. Uh, they give money to them. I'd start reconsidering that in many cases. Uh, and even, frankly, Christian universities, you should take a look and see, make sure that what being taught there is what you would actually support, whether your child's going there or whether you're just giving money because you think it's, you know, helpful to your alma mater, make sure that they're not, you know, they're teaching the right things. Not just that they're they're not teaching the wrong things, but they're teaching the right foundational principles. Because if people don't have those, then we shouldn't expect them to not be suckered by, oh, this is free. You know, all the things that Bernie Sanders and, and politicians like that talk about, it sounds really good. If you don't have a foundation that says there's something wrong with that and it's not going to work, but why is it? If you don't have the answers for that, you often fall prey to those kind of promises. Mm -hmm. You wrote an interesting article, The Daily Signal, Genevieve. It said, which America do you want to live in, one that upholds your right to freedom of speech and religious beliefs or an America that says only certain views are acceptable in the public square and shames, bullies, and cancels those who disagree? That's getting to be a pretty scary place right now in America. It is. Well, that's actually a, a, a video and an article I wrote before the last election. I wish more people had seen it, <laughs> which basically had nothing to do with politics in terms of should you vote for this person. We didn't mention any candidates. We didn't mention political parties. But I just asked some basic questions, such as that one. Do you want to live in a place where you're free to say what you want, where you are free to run your business uh, the way that you want? Or are you want to live in a place where you could be canceled out and bullied uh, to only having you know speech and operating your business in the way that, you know, AOC and some of the people on the left want you to run it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as Christians, I think that's a really important question yeah, to ask yourself. It's a great question. Genevieve, thank you so much for taking the time to be with me today. I appreciate it very much. It was great to be on with you, and um, I'm happy to suffer Rob anytime. <laughs> Thanks, Genevieve. <laughs> thank thank you. you. Yep, Genevieve Wood has been my guest. She's senior contributor at The Daily Signal and uh, advances policies of the Heritage Foundation. So if you, uh, in the month of June, this is a very cool little giveaway. We have the Tony Evans Study Bible. I'm looking at it right now. It's right in front of me. I don't know who put it there, but whoever put it there is not very smart because one of us is going to walk off with it one of these days because it's just too attractive, and I like it, and I want one. And here I am hosting a show looking at it, but you can uh, get in on uh, the and sign up to win one of these copies. And all you have to do is go to MyFaithRadio.com. We're giving away one copy each week this month. So it's the Tony Evans Study Bible, and it has some great features, and it's very good looking, I have to tell you. Go to MyFaithRadio.com. Check it out. Take a short break when we come back. I know it's kind of like a fake Monday today because this is our first day of the week, and usually Patrick is with me. Uh, So I'm putting Patrick on next. So coming up right after a short break, my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa, Patrick Albanese.
It's the afternoon show with Bill Arno. Prime time, drive time. Let's get it started. Jump in your car. What's for dinner? It's the afternoon show with Bill Arno. All right, it, it is. Tuesday, and normally, as we start our our week, we we get things going with Patrick Albanese. But here we are Tuesday, and so we missed Monday. And I thought, well, let's see if we can't get him in here somewhere. And so this is the perfect time. Patrick, welcome to the show on a Tuesday. I hope you're not too uh, rattled by all this. I'm not too rattled because we I, I, we're still kicking off the week, aren't we? Yes, we are. We are. You weren't my first slot, though. I just had Genevieve Wood on from the Heritage Foundation, so you weren't number one. Usually you're number uh, one of the week. R- right, but that's normally, uh, you're going reverse alphabetical, I think, today, <laughs> aren't you? <laughs> I am. I am. Who's on after me? Um, Andy Scudinga. Dr. Andy Scudinga is going to be joining me. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, he's doctor, doctor. He's a doctor. Doctors always go at the top of the of hour. Of course People they don't do. understand the rules of radio. <laughs> so let me ask you this. Is Genevieve Wood a doctor as well? No, I don't think she is. I don't think she okay. is. Let me ask you this. Be. This is kind of a personal question. Did you yeah. like... B.J. Thomas, raindrops are falling on my head, all that. Well, I mean, you're talking, uh, wait, I thought it was Burt Bacharach. Wait. Well, he wrote the song, but B.J. Thomas yes. kind of made it popular. He sang that song yeah. on Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Yes. And he that got very, very famous for him. And, of course, he passed away over the weekend. Sometimes I like to chat what happened over the weekend. Um, yeah. But you remember he uh, was really the first guy who said, I'm not a Christian entertainer. I'm an entertainer who is a Christian. That was groundbreaking. That upset quite a number of evangelical fans. Well, but I understand what he's saying. I do too. You know, he, he, because, because he said it's, it's not Christian entertainment that I'm doing if that's specifically what you're talking about. Because there is a difference between Christian entertainment and an entertainer who happens to be Christian. Because unbeknownst to mo- most people, first off, I, I, kudos to me for using the word unbeknownst. <laughs> and, 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 and if, if this conversation goes well, I might throw in a whilst and an oh. ergo. Oh, ergo. That will, yes. you'll lose me then. I'm bringing back Don't the, old, lose me today. the old stuff. Okay. Yeah. But uh, there are quite a few entertainers in Hollywood that happen to be Christian. And you know, some tend to fly under the radar because it could mean their career because there is, you know, they, the McCarthyism that they always warned about, they practice. Uh, you know, they can end a career pretty quickly oh, there. Can they ever. If your beliefs don't align with what they think they should be. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but, you know, a, a lot of mainstream people, uh, yeah, they, they, they happen to be Christians that they are in the entertainment business. I mean, would, would you say, you know, I'm a Christian uh, certified public accountant, or would you say I'm a certified public accountant who happens to be a Christian? I think that's what you'd say. I think that's what you'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I don't, I, I, you know, I don't know if you put that on your business card either, but uh, yeah, I, I think that's, I, I, I wouldn't be upset at, at uh, BJ Thomas. I mean. No, no, no. I'm not saying you're upset. I'm saying, did you ever like, did you like the song? Raindrops are falling. I, I, I love the, the song. song. I did too. I, yeah. You know, and that was, of course, it's, it's, I was just talking about this the other day with somebody. I remember the band Berlin, they did Take My Breath Away, which was pretty much the song that was associated with Top Gun. And for all intents and purposes, it was their most popular song that also ended the band's career. (laughs) Yeah. 
fantastic. Because it was almost like, oh, you're that uh, band that does the movie music. Right. Uh, you know, so it's it's fun. I think I, we were talking about, because uh, Aerosmith did a song for the movie Armageddon, and I believe the story was is that was their top-ranking hit. All the music that Aerosmith made, but I think that they've their, their best-selling song was for a movie. Well, that never hurts a performer's career to get attached to a successful movie. Yeah, I'm working on one right now. Really? How's that going? Not so well. I, yeah. Uh, yeah, Thank without the talent or the inspiration or the actual gig. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that level of honesty. I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's always tomorrow. Let's go back there's to the stress time. of talking to the press because you had mentioned that you know you're, they can end your career quickly. And now in cancel culture, even faster. But when you, uh, if you get asked a question about you know maybe a current event and you don't have the right answer... Uh, that your career can end quickly. And I feel sorry for right now for Naomi Osaka, who is a tennis player who has withdrawn from the French Open because she is way too stressed out to speak to the press. And it has something to do with her own mental well-being. And Yeah, I, and people were misinterpreting it, saying, is she saying that talking to the press causes depression? And she did clarify. She said, no, that I, I'm a depressed person. Yes. Yeah, and I'm not saying it causes depression in other people, but it's very stressful for me to talk to the press. Uh, and I guess you're just not allowed to have that level of privacy anymore in professional sports. I guess. It's just a shame because what a great tennis player. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, but I, yeah, it's because I've had, well, have you ever been taken out of context? Yes, I have. Yeah, and that was just family. And that was just today. <laughs> that was just, t t t yes, yeah. That was not I mean, that long I, you know, ago. Yeah, as you know, I had an incident many, many moons ago, and um, you know, press would call me up to get a comment on it, uh, and I was told not to respond to those things, and so they printed stuff anyway. Yeah. Without having spoken to me, and uh, uh, it's it's... You know, I think you know the story of my, my brother who just happened to have the same name as somebody who murdered his family. Right. Yeah. And uh, he walks out of his apartment one day and there's press all over the place wanting to talk to him <laughs> about his spree. His killing uh, spree. His killing spree. Yeah. yeah. And he's, he had no idea what they were talking about. They hounded him. It, would took, it took days. And it, they just never stopped to think that there might be two guys with the same name. They just grabbed the first name in the phone book and the first address. And he walks out one day and there they are. And the cameras are going and the microphones are going. <laughs> and uh, apparently he killed his family. Wow. But wow. Uh, wrong guy. Yeah. yeah. So fortunately, the Supreme Court rejected the case challenging the in God we trust motto on our nation's currency. And of course, mm -hmm. there are atheists who are offended by that. It's like, how do I use cash when that is on the, the currency? And I think, well, when is the last time you used cash for anything? <laughs> I find it difficult because you need three forms of ID to use it anymore. Yeah, you know? just to use cash, yeah. right? Back when I was living in California, there was a big battle over the California state seal that in a tiny little corner had part of a mountain that had a cross on the mountain. It was minuscule. Mm -hmm. And they went after it. Uh, you know, it's a, a Christian symbol on the state seal. This is not allowed. Separation of church and state, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it was kind of a noggin scratcher. It's like, wow, you guys, I mean, this is a lot of energy to put toward that. And, uh, but, you know, look where we've, 
we've gotten to. I mean, being offended is is kind of a new thing. And uh, you can't tell people to not be offended anymore because then that is offensive. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, very true. Yeah. You sent me an interesting article that appeared, I think, in the paper in Des Moines there about the minimum wage. Of course, that we always hear about increasing the minimum wage to 15 an hour. And then the person who wrote the the editorial said low military um w wages you know if if yeah. you uh if you're a a um private in the military you make 183 a year and an a yeah. sergeant with 8 years of service makes 328 a year so if you are getting 15 an hour you're going to be making 31 to an hour and i think a the, year a year i'm sorry I think the yeah. question was, is that person who might be working minimum wage flipping hamburgers deserving of as much money as those kids that are getting shot at? Yeah. And it's, you know, first off, I think, and it was a letter to the editor that was from a Texas newspaper. Uh, I had no idea the pay was that low. I have military I friends. But but I can also understand why they would not want to discuss this with me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have a a, a a guy who's in my Bible study group uh, who's you know a lifer National Guardsman, and you know I I think he gets it paid well. But uh, I a lot of questions got answered when I read this article because I thought, my goodness, your wife has fourteen different jobs and she sells jewelry and she does this and insurance and she, you know, does auto body, you know, you name it. She's got a little side business going. I I just thought that she had free time, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, it turns out, yeah, the the pay's not that good. And, and you know, it's it is true. You, I mean, what was your first? One of your first jobs. Didn't you work at a sporting goods store? I did. One of your first I, yeah. jobs. No. I started by uh, stringing tennis rackets. That was my first job, and then my first. Uh -huh. Then I got uh, promoted to work on the sales floor of a sporting goods store, and I was making two dollars an hour. Two dollars. Yeah. Let's just say I was filing the short form every year. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> did they even take anything out from the paycheck to begin with? I think they did. Yeah. Yeah. Because I uh, I had. Um, I did restaurant service jobs where I was paid two oh one an hour. Uh, my first job that paid me cash, or not cash, but like a check, where I was on a payroll was at the local Catholic church. Um, I, I don't know if I've told you this story, but I was paid like a dollar fifty an hour, and we used to print up the envelopes that people gave their donations in. And then on Sunday, myself and Mike Lindsay, the other guy, he was a year older than me, so I was fourteen and he was fifteen. Uh, we would walk between the two church services. We had two buildings that had church services, and there were six in each building. And after each service, we'd go and collect all the money that was collected in these cloth bags and walk down the busiest street in Arlington Heights, <laughs> a 14- and a 15-year-old with, with thousands of dollars in cash. I mean, it's it a simpler time where the church said, we'll just get a couple of kids to go collect the money. And, you know, I've, I've, we, I, we never took a penny. We never took a penny. But I thought, this is kind of odd that they trust a couple of kids to collect all the money after 12 church services and then put it in the safe. That was my first job, $1.50 an hour. <laughs> well, it is kind of hard to believe that, that they would put two young teenage boys in charge of transporting a sizable amount of money. I mean, I would feel horrible if you guys got attacked 
uh, that would be terrible. And that, that's, you know, okay, so think back to the 70s. Is that just not the kind of thing they thought would ever happen? Like what, I, I think you're right. I don't think, they, I don't think they thought it would happen. Yeah, I, I guess they thought, okay, let's see. It's This is the town called Arlington Heights. Our church is actually on Arlington Heights Road. That tells you how busy that road is, right? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and we would just parade up and down between the the church, and then we had the parish center, and then the rectory where the safe was, and uh, we would just fill these bags up after every service, and then walk on down and say, "Here it is. <laughs> it's all there. Count yeah. it." <laughs> <laughs> I bet you were pretty proud of that fact too, weren't you? Well, yes, we were. A, we were very proud of it, and we thought, well, most of the day we we sat in the rectory, uh, listening to music and drinking root beer. Okay. And so I thought, well, I'm getting paid a dollar fifty for this. I mean, who's making out here? <laughs> <laughs> who's making the big money? Yeah, because you, you were know. definitely drinking your dollar fifties worth of root beer every every yes. week. Yes, and, for and sure. it, it, why would anybody need to steal when they're getting paid that kind of money that, to do basically nothing? That's true. That's true. Yeah, that was my mindset. All right, and those guys grow up to have radio jobs. <laughs> if they're lucky. <laughs> if they're lucky. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let me take a little break and come back. Lots more with Patrick Albanese, my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa and the prestigious town of West Des Moines. Be right back. Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. Welcome back. Patrick Albanese is my friend and guest to get uh, Tuesday almost started. We started uh, not with him, but uh, he jumps in this half hour. Patrick, I was curious. I think didn't you, when you lived in L.A. for 20 years, didn't you have some contact with another great celebrity that passed away over the weekend, Gavin McLeod, who was uh, Captain Steubing on the love boat? Didn't you have connections with him, or didn't you uh, meet him more than once? Well, he, um, I didn't get to really meet him, but uh, he was a great supporter of a New Age pastor, Terry Cole Whitaker, and I thought they even dated for a while. Um, and so that was a church that I had gone to for a while. So Yeah, well, he got uh, out of that, know, fortunately. Much he like did yourself. get out of that, as, yes. as did I, yeah. Yep. And it was it was certainly one of those, as did Terry Cole Whitaker. <laughs> 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 so, uh, but, you know, and you would have to ask yourself, you're going, am I going to this church because I'm getting some greater understanding of the Bible or because Captain Steubing is here? That's a good question. <laughs> you know, you because know, Hollywood does have a lot of that where a church can gain a, a lot of followers because it'll be a celebrity hangout. And then there will be people that say, hey, you know, if I can just meet, you know, Captain Steubing, right. my career can take off. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they don't seem to understand that Captain Steubing is worried about his own career. Exactly. But uh, And then when, yeah. you get, when you get in that environment, I do, I do think people have a tendency of saying things that are so vague. And I, I don't know if they're answerable, but when they say... I think what the universe is trying to tell me right now, and I always kind of scratch my head going, what does that mean? 
Yeah, I, I well, you and I have been in rooms where people say, you know, I'd like to take a um, a shot at this praying thing, and uh, you know, then they're saying, oh dear, wonderful universe person thing. Yeah, <laughs> and it's it's. Now I don't know in the entertainment business if everybody is so nervous about offending somebody by stating their faith because that does exist. Um, you know, I often used to say. And I still do, uh, but I don't have to say it as much here in the lovely town of West Des Moines. But in uh, in L.A., I could always find the Christian in the room because they were the quiet one. Mm. They were the one that didn't speak up, or you could almost see the wince when people would take their, you know, stabs at religion or faith or Christianity or Jesus. Uh, you, I, I would look for the wince, and I'd say, "There's my friend," and I will go befriend that person, and then. We'll know, you know, this is, and some of those people are my friends to this day. It was actually our way of uh, realizing we had so much in common, you know. So, uh, yeah, but it's it's not surprising that people would couch the language uh, as, I believe there's a higher power. I just don't want to say what it is. I'm very yeah. nervous about that. You know? It's the whole idea that truth does not mind being questioned, but a lie does not like being challenged. I love. Did you send that to me, or I did, did I find I that did and send, send it to you? you? No, I sent it to you. It was just some anonymous quote, yes. and I thought, well, that's really true, especially when it comes to spirituality, because when you say things that are clearly not biblical, and you ask someone about it, that doesn't usually go very well. But if someone is struggling with a piece of biblical truth, they don't mind being questioned about it. it actually, helps them grow their faith even deeper. Once no, you can I articulate mean, a position, a biblical truth, and you can articulate it, you own it even more. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it's 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 not easy to get through a, a book of that size and say, you know, I pretty much have no questions. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, it's it's uh, your homework. Your teachers would often say to you after you read a chapter, are there any questions? You know, I would expect after you're going through something the size and the depth of the Bible that you you would have questions if you don't have questions. I, I find that difficult to fathom that you didn't come across something that says, gosh, I'm having some trouble here understanding this. Can somebody put it in? You have a, a, some friends that are these great biblical scholars. They often appear on your show, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> Most do. <laughs> yeah. Most do. And they'll, they'll answer some of those questions, and you'll say, when you, you put it in the proper context, well, of course you have to have questions. Of course. You must have questions. Of course. As you know, my pastor loves them. He says, please don't hide them from me. Give them to me. I want to answer them for you because I don't want you walking around with doubts that you could clarify or clear up with just a simple question. Yeah. My guest, my regular guest, Peter Kapsner, would say, you know, I have a Ph.D. after my name, and I could probably speak articulately on about 1,500 verses in Scripture, and there's over 33,000, so I could probably speak intelligently on about 3% of the Bible. Wow. Put it that wow. way, you go, oh, okay. That's got, so, kind, of, it's kind of humbling, actually. Well, it certainly humbled me. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't take much, though, right? No, because, of course, I, I look to Kapsner as, uh, is he doctor? He's yeah, PhD. He's, doctor. he's a doctor, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. but the, so, not the kind that can really help you do anything. If you're choking on a piece of chicken, he's not going to do any good whatsoever. I hope he's listening. Well, yeah, I, <laughs> I hope he's listening, too, because maybe that's a skill he should acquire. Yeah, maybe it is. <laughs> you know, I mean, let's just, if you're going to call yourself a doctor, I think, uh, at the least, you should be able to perform the Heimlich maneuver for a friend who's choking, you know, on food. I agree. I couldn't yeah. agree more. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Although I've gone to the soft food diet, there's not a whole lot of choking anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a tooth that's bothering me. It's just soup and noodles lately. Yeah. So so that's not going to be a big concern, is it? No, but that's amazing. I don't even know what percentage that is, but it's such a small percent. And yet I, you know, I, he'd be one of the guys I'd go to first. Well, yeah, he's got a lot of wisdom and he understands stuff so beautifully in context and explains it well. And I've got a lot of guests that do that so, so well. Um, I think Peter's just one of the, one of the best for sure. But, um, I'm also concerned when people throw out some spiritual objection and then then they don't want to be challenged about it. They want to just categorize you and write you off. And I think that's troubling. And I think Christians have to be better equipped and prepared to respond to those kinds of comments. Yeah, especially when people try to play some sort of gotcha game with their, you know, they read something on a blog somewhere. It says, you know, the next time you come across one of your Christian friends, pose this question. Right. And, you know, and then watch their 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 minds explode. And then they do it, and their Christian friend answers and says, oh, yeah, let me explain that to you. And they're like, you know, it didn't exactly go the way it was supposed to go. Yeah. I was, I was, I, you were supposed to walk away and say, wow, you've convinced me. <laughs> right. Yeah. So are the kids out of school tomorrow? Yeah. Today was uh, like clear out the lockers day and, you know, we have to start going through all the stuff and say, so that's where that went. So right. That, <laughs> we've been looking for that for eight months. Yeah. That's where, da- that's where daddy's golf clubs went. <laughs> you had them in your locker. <laughs> uh, I didn't miss them cause I don't play golf. But uh, yeah, tomorrow's they have a, they have a half a day, and uh, so today was kind of the official last lunch note um, for the year. So I, I successfully completed another 180 notes on their lunches. And, and just to uh, let listeners know what you mean by that, you you put a, a very clever, oftentimes hysterical, handwritten note from Dad in each of their lunchbox every day. Different every day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, it's uh, I, I'm looking forward to the break. <laughs> I need <laughs> I need I need to take a little uh, uh, a little bit of a break. But but, uh, but not not only do your kids enjoy them, but their friends enjoy them. Yes, and 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 it's really great because I I find that uh, my kids, you know, people will often say to me, they go, "Do your kids get these jokes that you do? They can't get them all." And <laughs> I, I, I say, they, you know, they actually do get most of them. Yeah. They understand most of these jokes, and uh, as silly as they are, at times uh, they'll come home and say, "You know, that was pretty clever." Like today, I had a director's chair on there just because it's the end of the season, and I said, "The school year is a wrap, but your lunch is a sandwich." So. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. They, they, they got that, didn't they? Oh, they just laughed. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if nothing, you know, years from now, and I actually plan on putting all of these in, in a little book because there's probably about 300 or so of them now that uh, I will gift to them when they're when they're older and say, you know, in case you're thinking your dad is not that clever, here's proof. Yeah. So you'll, <laughs> just, not that you'll just do a little picture book of every one of the notes you gave them over their, their school career. I think that's very, very sweet. Yeah. Cause yeah, you're going to be, I, I'm sure other kids are jealous. It's like, you know, these kids get, my friends get notes from their dad every day at lunch. Well, and I started them in December of 2018. And since then they have never asked me for a dime for a school lunch. 
they used to get school lunch once or twice a week. Mm-hmm. They would they would buy it, and I was always having to fill the account. And the whole thing started as just a gag because yeah. I had an extra piece of turkey that I gave each of them, you know, for their lunch that day. And I thought, well, you you've got to get credit for that. You can't just give a kid an extra piece of turkey and not call attention to and it. What did that note say? It said, "Now with twenty percent more turkey." <laughs> <laughs> They thought it was so funny that uh, it's been going ever since, 300-some-odd notes later. Yeah. And there are days it's challenging, but, well, you, but you, it's always fun. Yeah, you occasionally will send me a picture of one, and I think you sent it to me because you'll know I'll laugh hysterically and your kids may not get it, but you you still want to get credit for it. <laughs> <laughs> I say, yeah, you know, who's going to appreciate this? Well, there's one guy. <laughs> yeah, there's one guy, and it's always me. Uh, yeah. You can yeah. like you can appreciate this. Oh yes, I'm no, sorry. No, go ahead. Go We're ahead. getting near the end, because I have a new neighbor, and you know how you normally do the welcome to the neighborhood party. Neighbor came over to visit to 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 meet me, and actually gave me a get better soon card. And I thought this is very nice of you. You might have me confused with another neighbor because I am not sick. And they said, no, no, we heard you playing the the banjo, <laughs> and we we really <laughs> like you to get better soon. <laughs> oh, I love it. Just perfect. Yeah. Thanks, Patrick. Always great to be with you. Thanks for making an adjustment to Tuesday. Uh, It wasn't easy, but I did it. All right. Thanks. Patrick Albanese has been my guest. Of course, he's my regular guest on Monday to get things started, but he made adjustments just for me. It's awfully sweet. Take a little break. When we come back, Dr. Andy Scuddinga is going to be joining me. We're going to be talking about does God show up for false alarms or does he only show up for real ones? We'll be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.